0: What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome, welcome. Uh, Martinsville under the lights this week. Uh, It's going to be an awesome weekend. Uh, Welcome to the NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by Matt Sells, who is fresh. Uh, He's back from Atlantic City. Uh, He he didn't really follow the Richmond race that much, but he was locked into a 13-hour fantasy baseball draft and then a 24-hour drive home, so we won't hold it against him. How'd the draft go?
1: Uh, it went well until I realized that the guy that I drafted to be my closer um, wasn't the closer when the draft finished. That so that was good, right? But uh, luckily I got like four other dudes who may or may not get saved. So we'll see. Um, it's a 20-team league in a 13-hour draft. So the fact that I put together a team, while, by the way, being pretty under the weather, um, I already told my wife if I win the league this year it's gonna be known as my flu game. Like the <laughs> So no, I did not pay that game. much attention yeah. to Richmond. Um unfortunately I didn't see any of the stuff on Saturday, I didn't get to watch or listen to the race uh driving back on Sunday. I do hear it was exciting at the end. Uh Denny Hamlin came out the winner. Um, much to apparently Fox Sports issue. Couldn't shipping. tell based on the broadcast. Yeah, apparently based on their like Much to their chagrin, Denny Hamlin won the race because they weren't paying attention at all. Shocker. Um, But, yeah, we're back. Uh, It's Martinsville. So, back-to-back short tracks. And uh, a Saturday night under the lights race for the first time this year.
0: Really weird week. Trucks on Thursday. That playbook is already out. Uh, Xfinity playbook will be out probably friday morning uh salary we're recording this wednesday night salaries came out for cup and xfinity earlier this evening um so once i get qualifying and practice results tomorrow afternoon for afternoon for xfinity that playbook will be written thursday night posted friday morning it's kind of the same thing for you with the cup playbook but it'll be mostly be written friday night and posted saturday morning correct
1: Yeah, I posted in Discord uh, earlier that it'll be out early Saturday morning. Qualifying is at like 5.05 Eastern on Friday evening. So, you know, it'll take them whatever, probably like a good 30 to 45 minutes to sort that out, maybe longer. Um, And I don't really feel like giving up like five hours of a Friday night to get it up at midnight Eastern for nobody to then go read. So <laughs> It'll be up early Saturday morning. Um, I'm going to write most of it probably Friday evening and then post it early Saturday morning. The race isn't until seven 30 Eastern on Saturday. So that should still give you all day uh, Saturday to read through it. And uh, whatnot. so we'll still have everything out. It's just like a condensed schedule. And then on top of that, for you F1 fans, This is the week where we really get to test how much of an F one fan we are because the race is in Australia, um, in Melbourne actually, and they're running it at Albert Park. Um, And the race happens at one a.m. Eastern Sunday morning is when it's going to be broadcast. All of the practices are at night uh, and late at night. Uh, It's like I don't know eleven p.m. at night for the first practice on whatever Thursday I guess. And then qualifying is overnight on Friday night. Well, Saturday morning, Friday night, depending on where we are. Um, so, yeah, this is where we really test just how much we want to watch F1. Should be a great, great race.
0: Uh, James I saw the- a stat that, like, uh, like seven of the last eight um, like drivers in the poll for the Australian Grand Prix have not won. I think the only person to start on the pole and win was Lewis Hamilton, but he did that once when he was, and he was on the pole like five different times. So the other four times when he was on the pole, he had managed to lose the race. So, and there's more DRS zones. Don't typically
1: win here. They just redid the track some too. They haven't raced there since 2019 due to COVID. Uh, And there's a whopping four DRS zones on this track, which is going to be insane. Um, For those of you that follow F1, that's drag reduction. System, so they uh, get a little bit of power boost to help them pass. There's four of those zones on the track. That's nuts. What's the rule on that? You have to be within one second of the guy in front of you to activate it. Yes, and if you are um, behind the guy, like there's a way you can rig the system where if you're in a certain position when you get to like the the DRS line, so. You get to the line, that's not exactly where the zone is, right? It'll be like the turn before where the zone starts. Mm -hmm. If you're um, behind the person that's trying to pass you, if they use DRS to pass you, you then have DRS to pass them back.
0: Mm.
1: But if you're in front, you don't have the the DRS to pass back. So that was quite a big strategy in the first two races of the season with uh, LeClaire and Verstappen, so we'll see if they've gotten wise to it. Um, I have a lot of information on <clears throat> F1 Discord. Um, and prices have been out for 12 days for that race, by the way. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, yeah, prices we'll for the that. Australian Grand Prix dropped before DraftKings even came close to like releasing the prices for Richmond.
1: They were out like Monday of Richmond race. Yeah. So they were out a full week before Richmond and a full like Twelve days before the Aussie Grand Prix, so yeah, we'll have I'll have the write ups up for that, betting piece up for that. And by the way, if you missed the betting piece for um, the last one, Saudi Arabia, um, you missed a shot to make some nice money because I picked four winning props there, including fourteen to one winner on Nicholas Latifi being the first one to crash out of the race, which was kind of kind of easy money. Um, so yeah. We'll have all of the coverage out and um, <clears throat> plenty of time for you all to uh, set lineups for all four races this weekend. All
0: right. So we are at Martinsville. It's the paperclip. This is one of the best tracks for DFS every year. If you're looking to log those, uh, those NASCAR missions or those achievements, this is a great way to rack up laps led. We will have 400 laps for the cup series race. Um, Very short track, uh, 0.526 miles in length. Uh, It's flat on the straightaways, 12 degrees of banking, which are essentially just straight uh, 180-degree U-turns. Yeah,
1: and that's really, like, the outer lane, too. That's not, like, up against curbing. That's, like, and there's literal curbing, if you've never watched this race. There's literal curbing on the inside of the turns, so you can't, like, it's not like a white line with the apron. It's a curb. So, like, if you're on the inside, nobody's getting past you. Uh,
0: Typical short short track strategy. Uh, Track position is everything here. I will say that the difference between – other than size between Richmond and Martinsville is that I'm more confident in a driver two laps down at Martinsville than I am a driver one lap down at Richmond because I feel like you will – because with Martinsville, it's such a short track with almost nowhere to go – if a driver spins out, they'll throw the caution. There's, there's no runoff. There's nowhere to go. If there's debris, the slightest, uh, you know, car like getting into a wall or anything, they will throw the caution for anything. So I think that there are more opportunities to get back on the lead lap and with just like the pit cycles, you you know, I just, I'm not too worried if a driver falls two laps down at Martinsville, especially if it's early on, you can make that lap up, especially if you're the lucky dog. Uh, at Richmond it's a bit of a different story just because, you get longer, more boring green flag runs, and so it is a little bit harder to make up that that lost lap. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Are there any other strategies or, or aspects to the track breakdown that we need to discuss? It's a short track. If you've played NASCAR DFS, you know what Martinsville's all about.
1: Yeah. Um, I will say that this, this race is 100 laps shorter than it used to be. Usually they run two 500-lap uh, races at Martinsville. This year they, sh- they shrunk one of them to – Four hundred laps, which makes sense. It's at night. You want to make. I think it they did close. that with
0: all the series this year too, because the trucks used to run two hundred and fifty, and now they're only running two hundred on Thursday.
1: Yeah, and you know it does uh, increase the intensity of the racing. I would say you've got a hundred fewer laps to make something happen. That's a lot of laps, right? Like if you're a hundred laps out of five hundred laps is twenty percent of the race. A hundred laps out of four hundred laps is a quarter of the race. So. That's a lot of laps. Yeah, they're tiny, and they, you know, get clicked off reasonably quickly. But, um, you know, I will say that it's not necessarily lock and load the pole sitter here, right? Like, short tracks, you, you want to play guys that are starting up front. That's for sure. But I will say, <clears throat> we were, you know, doing the research before the pod. You have to go back to Jimmy Johnson, who won back-to-back races here, the last one in 2012 and the first one in 2013, as the last guy on the front row to win a race here. It was all the way back in 2013. Now, there are several guys that have won from inside the top 10 in that span, for sure. There's a lot of guys that have won from third and fourth and fifth in that span. But the pole sitter hasn't won here since 2013, and the driver starting second hasn't won here since 2008. So, you know, it's not necessarily a lock and load um, front row type thing and assure that you get the laps led because it's not necessarily been the case here.
0: No. Um, One other thing that we usually talk about when we we mention Martinsville or even Bristol, is just when this race starts, the guys in the front row are basically going to be a half lap away from the back markers, the guys in the very last row. So while it's important to, it similar last week, it's okay to get a little PD in your lineup. Uh, but most of my builds last week for Richmond were maybe one guy or two guys outside the top 20, and then everyone else was basically starting inside the top 20, even the top 15. I was not afraid to you know, shove three guys starting in the top 10 in my lineup. Um, luckily, it did work out for most of my builds. but Martinsville's kind of the same animal. You don't really need to go chasing too much PD here, um, especially with so many dominator laps more than last weekend. If you can hit on the right dominators and the guys just finishing or that are competing on the lead lap by the end of the race, you're gonna do pretty well for yourself.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's not one of those ones where you say, oh, I see this guy who is usually pretty good, and he's starting outside the top, you know, 25. Well, odds are they're not going to finish that well, um, to be to be honest. So it is another one of those kind of weeks where, you know, you're a little bit capped on PD for guys starting pretty far back in the pack because it does not take very long. The lap guys here, lap traffic becomes an issue pretty quickly. Um, even when it's, you know, especially when it's set based on uh, qualifying speeds, because you know the guys that are the fastest are up front. It's not like that order where you might get some fast guys sprinkled in the back. Um, so yeah, I would I would agree with that, that once you get to about 25th, you're starting to get a little bit, um, you know, capped in PD. Like to give you an example, I have a spreadsheet that tracks all of the loop data from every race at all of these tracks that NASCAR races on since 2012. And then it, you know, I generate the average uh, stats by starting spot for those tracks. Martinsville, if you look at the guys that start 25th, their average finish mm-hmm. is 18.7. But the guys that start 26th, 23.4. Ew. And then 27th is like 28-2, then 28th, then 23rd for guys starting 29th. So, like, you're only getting a couple of spots in all of these things once you get past 25th because they're going to get lapped reasonably quickly. Um, whereas, you know, it's kind of hit and miss in front of that, but at least you've got a shot of moving, of of holding your spot and moving up. You just want to get to the driver pool? Yeah. Well, you can go ahead and dive on
0: All right. So this podcast might be a little bit shorter just because we are recording a little bit late, so apologies for the brevity if we are just flying through drivers. But let's start with Joe Gibbs Racing. They got their first win of the season last week at Richmond. Actually, they swept both races last week, so it was a good week for Joe Gibbs Racing to get back on track. What do we make of JGR this week? This is typically a track that this team has run very well at. Martin Truex Jr. has three wins here. Denny Hamlin, a year ago in this race, I think he grabbed a top three in the Spring Martinsville race, but he led like 270-something laps as well. Um, Kyle Bush has decent history here as well. I mean, this the, coming off a win and how good the JGR cars looked at Richmond, um, yeah, I feel pretty good about them this week.
1: I would say uh, the same thing, actually, and, you know, again, the package that they've had on these cars in Martinsville the last few years is not that dissimilar to what is on the cars this year at every track, except for Daytona and Talladega and Atlanta. Um, so we can, in fact, take what we saw them do last year and what we've seen them do now on short tracks this year and put them together and you know, feel pretty good about where JGR is sitting coming into the short track. Like you said, Martin Truex Jr. has three wins in the last five races here. It's pretty tough to beat. Um, And four of the, you know, and then he finished top five in the one, in one of the ones he did not win. So that's pretty impressive. And you are correct that Denny Hamlin finished third last spring here. Um, Kyle Busch has three straight top tens at this track. So, to be honest, the one that I'm lowest on right now is Christopher Bell at this point. Um, But that shouldn't necessarily come as a surprise, given the star power that's in front of him. (laughs) He was actually pretty
0: good last week, too.
1: He was pretty decent last week. I'm not going to, you know,
0: it's pretty tough to... He was that driver, though, because it got to a point in last week's race where they were clearly off-cycle in pitch strategies... And so if you were nailing Christopher Bell, who with Denny Hamlin was on a different pitch strategy than everyone else, Christopher Bell, he was either going to win the race or at the very least get you dominator points, which is exactly what he did just because when he was leading the race, he was basically running up front because everyone else had already pit, and he was just collecting cheap laps lead, cheap fastest laps. Well, probably not fastest laps because he was on older tires. He
1: had 19.
0: still that's good and then he still had 63 laps led got a top six finish so i mean he was easily in the optimal lineup and then if you had him with the other dominators in the race the martin Truex jr uh, william Byron, and ryan blaney you did a, you did very well and had a great day um so for that reason if we're getting different pitch strategies this week it's kind of the same thing if you can get the two dominators on the two different strategies you're in for a good a great day and it's probably going to be another strong day for Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, I'm
1: guessing that they're going to take a lot of the same setup and just bring it right over to uh, Martinsville. And now, the one thing to keep in mind is that the nighttime race will change how these cars drive because of you know they'll either get loose or tight as the run goes on, depending on how they're set up, which is going to be different than what we saw at Richmond, which was during the day. So. That's one thing to keep in mind is that if they go with, like, if you see a guy dominating in the beginning of the race, they may not be dominating towards the end of the race as the temps drop and it gets darker um, because the car and the track will change. And if if they don't stay on top of it, then they're going to start to cycle back.
0: Uh, Ryan Blaney has started on the front row uh, four straight races. He was on the pole for three of those uh last week he led over 120 laps at phoenix another flat track he led over 140 laps he i believe is the vegas favorite to win martinsville he's never won here before but he's collected over 100 laps led i think in at least two races his car's been fast it's just he's not really finishing um i don't know it it almost seems silly to even like bring it up but you know It's not really a question of if you get exposure to Ryan Blaney, but how much exposure do you get to Ryan Blaney?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, at this point, you just got to play him, right? Especially considering the fact that you're getting a $600 discount on DK off of Martin Truex Jr. by playing Ryan Blaney right now. Mm. Um, And in a minute, we'll talk about the curious pricing on Chase Elliott. But, um, yeah, you've got to get some Ryan Blaney in there. It's just a matter of time before he wins at this point. Um, In pure speed, he's been the fastest in predictive speed metrics. He's been the fastest all season, Um, whether it be just bad pit cycles, bad pit stops, getting trapped back in traffic when he shouldn't. It just hasn't been a lucky year, but he's had the speed to, you know, run up front and win races. It just hasn't clicked for him just yet.
0: Uh, What about uh, his teammate Joey Logano? Not the best look for Logano last week, and I was pretty heavy on Logano, and he sunk quite a few lineups. Um, but, I mean, overall, I just never see heavy ownership on Joey Logano. I, I almost – I just keep talking myself into going overweight on the field because I know it's going to pay off one of these days, and I, I swear to God if it happens at Bristol Dirt again, I'm going to be furious because I'm only going to play like three lineups. But what do we do with Logano this week? That's starting to get a really good question, right? Because at the
1: Daytona 500, I know it's the the 500 and it's unpredictable, but he actually technically <laughs> finished behind where he started, right? Auto Club finished better than he started. Vegas finished worse than he started. Phoenix finished better than he started. And then three races in a row now, he's finished worse than where he started. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to um, – I don't know if they're just trying different setups every week until they get one that sticks. I don't know why he's not borrowing his teammates' setup
0: because that seems to be
1: working. Um,
0: Does that really work? Does that sound like something Joey Logano would do?
1: Probably not.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, I mean, he is. he is pretty solid here. I mean, he's finished in the top ten all five of the last five races. Doesn't have a win, has a couple of top fives. Um, so, he's just that guy again where, like, he's been good enough that you have to consider him. But recent history might make you stay a little bit away from him.
0: Who do you think the best driver at Hendrick Motorsports is right now? You know you want to say it. It's hard <laughs> not to go with Willie B. I know, right? <laughs>
1: I mean, he's if you look at predictive metrics, he's the fastest. He's the fastest tender car right now.
0: You could listen to almost any NASCAR podcast in the off season, and everybody was pretty much just talking about his green, his average green flag speed last year. The wins were never there, and he does have one this year, but he came on you know the new Atlanta configuration. So I don't think a lot of people are still buying in. But you know, he led over a hundred laps at Atlanta. He led 122 last week on a short track i mean the car is fast he's got three top fives and a win in his last five races so it's like you know i feel like the new car this next gen setup has leveled the playing field and it's kind of brought kyle larson back down to earth a little bit because we haven't really seen him kick ass and dominate a race <clears throat> i mean he did he's not win. been
1: the fastest car in any race this year
0: no he's i mean he got the win at auto club good for him uh but okay because of pit
1: strategy and it worked
0: but yeah like, but at the same time, it's like William Byron looks like he's the, in the best Hendrick motorsports car right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure it's really a contest.
1: Um, he's been very good, with the exception of Phoenix, where he finished 18th after starting third. Um, that wasn't great. But in every other race, he's been... I mean, you know, obviously Auto Club he had the tire issue, so we're gonna kinda just let that one go. But what I don't understand is why he's priced at ninety-five hundred. Like, Alex Bowman, the guy that backs into all these wins, is priced at ninety three hundred. Chase Elliott's at eleven two. Can anybody explain this to me? <laughs> Is DK watching any of these things, or are they just giving us free value on every slate? Because <clears throat> Chase Elliott hasn't come close to hitting, he's hit 5X once. Once.
0: Was at Phoenix, yeah.
1: I mean, he hit, he put up 69 points. Nice. nice. At Phoenix, <laughs> and he was 11,000. So he top 5X there. Nothing else. So I don't. And he was eh in Richmond last week. He was. I mean, he pulled off a fourth, but it was a road course. Does anybody else expect him to finish outside the top five at a road course? No. But again, he kind of used pit strategy to pull that off because he never seemed like a guy who had a top five car. Right? So I don't understand why Chase Elliott is, is, continues to be priced up the way when he has. He literally has not won an oval race since Phoenix in 2020, which won him the championship.
0: Back to William Byron. Do you worry about track history at all? I know because if we're going to pump the tires on JGR a little bit because of what they did last week and how historically how good they've been. At Martinsville in short flat tracks. Do we maybe discuss William Byron's track history? It's not that he's been bad at Martinsville. It's just in eight races, he's wrecked twice and he's only led nine laps.
1: Okay. But he's finished in the top five, three of the last five races. Top 10 in four of the last, sorry, the top eight in four of the last five races. And yeah, he hasn't led a whole lot of laps, but like. He's started, the best he started was third in that span. So he started third, finished fourth in that race. So even then, he's getting you finished position, right? Mm-hmm. The other ones that he finished second, he started 11th. So there's position differential. He started 15th, finished eighth, finished fifth, but started 11th. So he's moved up well. And he's starting in the top fifteen, so I I don't really have a problem. And the speed this year is better than the speed he's had previously at this
0: at this track. So uh, Fair points. All fair points. Um by the way, he
1: does average twenty-two point four fast laps. So I'll take the nearly half a point per I mean if he gets twenty-two fastest laps. That's almost eleven points, right there. Right. Is he averaging
0: that at at strictly Martinsville?
1: Yes. In the last five Martinsville races, he's averaged twenty two point four fastest laps per race, which makes him that puts him one, two, three, four, five, sixth in the field in that time.
0: Now I'll give him credit because if he's doing that in the older car, then I can only imagine what he's what he's capable of doing with the new car. Because this is arguably the best he's ever looked.
1: Right. Now, I will say the second on the list is his teammate Chase Elliott, who we just lambasted for, like, five minutes. But what has he done lately? Again, it's the I'm going to take the speed I've seen now versus the speed I've seen in previous cars that they had notebooks written on. Right. The teams that are showing up now, I'm going to take that. Uh, which is also why there's a guy further down this list who should not be that far down the
0: list that I really really like this week. Um, how far down the list is he? Because I was going to talk about Ross Chastain next. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ross Chastain is back down to eighty eight hundred. Pretty good price tag. Uh, he, in my opinion, he should still probably be between ninety five and probably ten grand. Uh, his streak of four straight races in the top three ends last week with a still a top 20 at Richmond. Um, overall though, you gotta still like how, what Trackhouse is doing. I'm not going to let one, uh, bad result at a pretty tough short track. Uh, I don't know. Shake my opinion of him necessarily. Uh, still think he could be in line for a pretty solid week. If he shows up with speed, he was could have won Phoenix. You know, he did win Coda. Just, you know, bad luck last week, but I'm back on board with Trackhouse and Ross Chastain specifically this week. I don't really know what my read is on Suarez yet, but I'll let you go to town on Chastain.
1: Yeah, so who won here in the Truck Series? That would be Ross Chastain has a win here in the Truck Series. Who won here in the Xfinity Series? That would be Ross Chastain. Who has a very fast car? Basically all easy except for last week. Ross Chastain. Why is he priced in the mid-tier? <laughs> I don't know. And by the way, he's in, in the sports books, he's like 30 to one to win right now, which is also kind of shocking. Um, as for his teammate, Daniel Suarez, if you look at track, if, if you take into account equipment, this is his worst statistical track. Is it? Like, Yeah, he's got top 10s here previously, but that was in JGR equipment.
0: Okay.
1: Right? Since he left JGR, this has not been a very good track. In the last five races here, he's finished an average of 29th. That's a no-go for me. That's no bueno. There, sir. Um, (laughs) I'm going to be your... uh not your amigo this week i'm sorry
0: dude. <laughs> your enemigos
1: yeah i'm an enemigo um i do like ross chastain i'm not i'm not on the uh suarez uh bandwagon this week
0: can you uh possibly buy into tyler reddick this week i was pretty heavy on reddick last week i loved the price tag of 8200 he fell just short of 5x value um You know, he only finished 12th, but he did have 11 fastest laps to salvage a little bit of the day. Um, I know we don't typically think of Martinsville as the kind of track where he succeeds at. You know, it's not Miami. It's not a high tire wear track. He can't can't run the wall. Um, But uh, what's the read on Reddick this week? I still like the price tag, though.
1: Yeah, he's been okay here. I mean, he's been consistent, right? No terrible finish. Not really great. I mean, he does have one top ten here in the last five. It was a spring race last year. Sorry, in his last four because he's only run four here. It was a spring race last year. He finished eighth. Um, in that race, he started 13th. We moved up a handful of spots. If he does that again at his price tag, that's, that's pretty decent. Um, I mean, he. I don't think he's going to be a guy that goes out there and leads laps. Right? It might be tough for him to get fastest laps because of the preferred line. at Barnesville is not his typical preferred line on any track. Um, But I think, I mean, mid-tier, there's worse guys to play in the mid-tier right now than than Tyler Reddick at this point.
0: I want to stay in the mid-tier, and I want to talk about Brad Keselowski for a little bit. Um, Three straight races on DraftKings, he's returned at least 41 points. And that's including a short flat track last week, a very tough track last week where he started 19th. He finished 13th. He was running in the top 10 for a good portion of that race Um, for a track. That's pretty tough to pass at. He did pretty well. Um, And we know he has probably the motivation that if he's going to make the playoffs, he has to go out and win. And I do like what they showed last week with this car In his last 12 races, and granted, this was with Penske, he had 10 top five finishes, including two wins. And he had that dominant uh, performance three years ago where he led 446 laps. Um, At this price tag, you know, he's only 7,900. He's less than the average price tag. I am a little bit intrigued if they're going to show up with a similar setup as last week. Because, I mean, he basically got called out on Twitter as well. You know, and he retweeted the person that said, like, was the RFK move for Kislowski a bad move? And he even said, you know, it took, you know, over 12 months to get my first win with Team Penske. It took 18 months to, you mm-hmm. know, I think get like a championship winner or, or something like that. So it's like, obviously, Rome is not built in the day with what they're doing at Roush Fenway Kislowski now. Um, but I do like the recent form. Now, he has had the benefit of PD. But the price tag is still cheap enough where if he gets a good finish, he could be optimal. Yeah, I mean, it's going to
1: obviously it's going to depend on where he's starting, but I'm not sure it it, it's in the way you think. Right. If he's starting in the top 10, he's a lock for me. Because Martinsville is a place where it's tough to pass. He's got the history here. He can make himself very, you know, he can go elbows out and make himself very wide and pull a Ryan Newman and be like the toughest dude to pass on the track. And lucky for him, there's not enough speed on these tracks to spin the car out. So that's (laughs) about it. But, yeah, the last three races he's picked up, you know, the six spots of PD last week is the is the fewest spots of PD he's picked up in three races. So. That's a bonus. He's put up some some fast laps. He's had nine or ten fastest laps in two of the three races. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're going to make me get back onto that Keselowski bandwagon,
0: man. This is going to suck. Cause I could talk myself into playing him in cash games and sprinkling him in the game. I'm still GP bitter case. about
1: him and it, it, flipping Coda.
0: Yeah, but I mean... Wait, what? What's, what was to hate about Coda? Like he started twenty six and he finished forty. Or were you fading him? Well, I wasn't playing him because he's
1: typically only so so on road courses. He hadn't oh, shown okay. up with any speed, and he spun the car out like twice in practice. Not only that, he cost me bets on Price Picks. Uh, and not only that, but him using Ty Dillon as a uh, brake check in the closing laps cost me like literally nine hundred dollars because Ty Dillon moving up like that was a low-owned PD play, and I was in, I don't know, the top five in a GPP and winning like 900 bucks, and I basically broke even at the end of it. So, yeah, still a little bitter about that.
0: All right, moving on down. Uh, short flat track, Eric Almirola, 7,500, has not looked good lately. Nope. It's just not interested anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He's halfway, he's halfway retired, man. Like, uh, I think the problem too, is that he's starting too high. So there's no real incentive to play him in three of the last four races, uh, which include Richmond, Phoenix, um, you know, Atlanta, you know, he started, you know, 10th or higher. And then, so really a guy of, like Eric Almirola, uh, he's not really gonna like go out and do well. He, he doesn't exactly paint himself as you know a great DFS play, so it was a bit of an obvious fade in those situations. Um, so really, it does come down to where he qualifies this week. Well, yes and no, because like the first three races of the
1: year, right? He started twentieth or worse and then finished fifth, sixth, and sixth. Right. The problem is if he's starting 31st this week, there's no way in hell he's getting to sixth. Like, you just can't move up through the field enough at Martinsville to pull that off. Right? So if he qualifies... Would you feel better about
0: that, though, if there was a competition caution in stage one? I'd be less concerned about it. I mean, they teased it last week for Richmond. Ultimately, they didn't do it, but it was in the discussion. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like they, with 400 laps at Martinsville under the lights, which will be a pretty popular race, I feel like they'd want to give the drivers an opportunity to, you know, make adjustments in stage one if they wanted to.
1: Probably. I would do it like, I'm going to bet you that they do one like 40 laps in.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um, I'd be less concerned about it, but it's just like there's no speed in that car right now.
0: Yeah, It sucks.
1: Like, their speed in the Harvick car, I would say that their speed in Briscoe's car. They seem to have missed the boat on Eric <laughs> Um.
0: Alright, you want me to just move on to another potential value play? Sure. Oh, uh, I am intrigued by A.J. Allmendinger this week. I know the Cup Series finishes have not been great now. Keep in mind, he could have won Coda. Um and, and by the way,
1: that was a completely fair move by Ross Chastain.
0: I didn't have a problem with it because Allmendinger did the same thing to him.
1: For his response.
0: Yeah.
1: So, well, um, he has to live with himself. Dude, you moved him first. don't want to get moved. Don't move a dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're an open-wheel racer. You know what this means.
0: Uh, but for AJ Allmendinger, I want to say he has a pair of runner-up finishes at Martinsville. Now, granted, completely different equipment. Uh, that was when he was uh, in the 22 with Penske for that one year. I think it was another one was with the 47. But Colling typically shows up with good setups. Yeah, I don't typically think – I mean, I cover Colling a lot in the Xfinity series, and I don't typically think of them as a good short track team, but I was dead wrong when they raced at Phoenix. Um, but I do – I mean, the car had they, they're showing up with speed. They're good cars. He wasn't... I actually had a good amount of AJ Allmendinger last week, and I was kind of disappointed that he actually went backwards and didn't return any value. But he does have a pair of runner-up finishes here and almost similar equipment. So I am intrigued to use him as a pay-down option as long as he isn't starting too far back.
1: I would agree with that sentiment, yeah. He's got a couple... He's got some, some solid finishes. And, like... This is one of those weird times where being a road racer could theoretically help you on a short track because Martinsville is all about rhythm, right? It's about hitting your spots for braking, getting into the corner the right way and getting off the corner the right way. That's a lot of road course racing. you got to set up the corner the right way. you got to hit your braking spots. It's a rhythm type race. So if you're a good road racer, you should be pretty decent at a track like Martinsville. Um... So that works in Olmendinger's favor. I would have liked to have seen faster, you know, better results last week. But maybe, just maybe, the results last week will keep some people off of him for this week.
0: What about uh, his teammate, Justin Haley? I mean, he got kind of screwed a little bit because he had to do a pass-through penalty, and so he started 35th and was essentially a lap down for the the entire race. Uh, But overall... You know, not bad. Like, he started at 35th, finished 29th, and he did have 10 fastest laps at Martinsville in the Xfinity Series. Um, In three races, he started in the top five every single time. He finished 12th, 8th, and then 33rd last year. I'm pretty sure he had an issue with his brakes in that race uh, last fall. So, do you have interest in Justin Haley at all? Typically, my stance is this, is that if you don't have a lot of experience at Martinsville, I am a little hesitant to go with you because this is a track where I think experienced drivers bully inexperienced drivers for track position and they're not afraid to bump them and move them up the track Um, and I know Haley has run here three times but that was an Xfinity the cup series is a whole different level and you're racing with guys that feel much more entitled to track position
1: I would agree with that I mean just look at what happened to him and I know this was an exhibition and whatnot but it's a similar setup with a very small flat track right he got flat-out moved out of the way at the Clash, Yeah, right? So, it's kind of similar to that. Um, It's been a little bit of, you know, he's moved up pretty decently in most races this year. So, again, if he has trouble with qualifying this week, we're going to have to... I can't even say we're going to have to leave him off because there was that time a few years ago where you covered me for Martinsville. Bubba got put at the back of the pack. We still played him, and he moved up pretty decently mm. in that race. Um, and I would say that Haley's equipment this year is better than Bubba's was at that point because that was uh, petty uh, equipment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he, we want him to... I would say qualify between 20th and 25th would be the sweet
0: spot. Um, I feel like we're both going to have possibly the same value play in Ty Dillon this week. Yep. It's a short track. The dude picks up spots at short tracks, and he's cheap as hell. Uh, He was actually very good last week. I know I didn't include him in the playbook, but I did mention him in the Discord. That's why it's always important to be in the Discord. Um, I simply just don't like writing up almost every driver in the field. I know Matt doesn't as well, but still there. Like I didn't write up Denny Hamlin in the playbook, but I still included him as a pivot in one of the example lineups, I believe. Um, so I did play a little bit of Ty Dillon last week, started 30th, finished 24th. You know, he was 5,200 and then he got 24 points. Is that 5X value? No, but Ty Dillon was actually the cheap driver that was in the optimal lineup for guys that stacked Blaney, Byron truex hamlin harvick you know just going down to ty Dillon allowed you, allowed you to fit you know plenty of those guys that got dominator points so
1: yeah also um, at phoenix he started 21st and finished 15th for 34 points and 5500 bucks
0: yeah i mean he has an average starting spot in germain racing equipment of 26th and an average finishing position of 20.5 so i mean he can move up here. He has a few top 15 finishes as well, so he has that upside. There was speed in the car last week. It looked pretty solid. Now it 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 just naturally is hard to stay on the lead lap at Richmond. Um, and sure, he might fall a couple of laps down here at Martinsville, but, I mean, I'm not ruling out a top 20 finish from this guy.
1: Nope. He had one of them the last time he raced here. He's picked up an average of six and a half spots of PD in his three races here, and this year his average finish is inside the top 20.
0: Uh, any drivers that we may have missed that you want to touch on real quick, or I don't know, do we send them on their merry way? Um,
1: there's one guy I still can't figure out, and that's Kurt Busch. Go on. I mean, I just I literally can't figure him out from week to week. Right, like he should be showing up and making twenty three X I better. Some weeks he does, and then some weeks it's craptastic.
0: I was pretty pleased because did I play him last week? Yes, but I was fairly underweight on the field. I did not buy into the hype of, I didn't buy into all the PD when honestly Alex Bowman just struck me as the much better play.
1: Well, yeah, yeah if you were giving me a choice between Alex Bowman and Kurt Bush, it would have been Alex Bowman all day. Sure, first.
0: but Bowman was also probably like 1,500 more. And they were arguably starting in the same spot.
1: Well, yeah, I mean Bowman was starting what twenty eighth, and Kurt was starting twenty seventh. So, right, but Kurt's average finish is fifteen and a half this year. He's
0: finishing far better than where he's running. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I can't say that last week because he finished pretty much dead last, a hundred laps down.
1: Yeah, it was not, it was not a great it was not a great day for him, um, but. I, I just don't know, man. He's supposed to be quick,
0: right? We had he's this hard. discussion prior to the season, and I remember you were a little bit weary on him. I was far more confident in him going to 23xi and Toyota. I didn't think this was going to be a big challenge for him. Uh, but, I mean, you were kind of right. Like, he's struggling a little bit, <clears throat> a lot, and, actually.
1: And, by the way, I'm pretty sure Bowman was only 600 bucks more than Kirk last week. Fine. Fine.
0: I'm pretty sure Bowman was like 8,500. 85, yeah, according to DK. I guess they stopped doing that post-cup qualifying slate. Yeah,
1: because nobody was playing. I'm <laughs> so just going to make it. So I mean, yeah, who wants to play the game when you've rigged the system? That <laughs> doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know, man. I have no idea what to make of Kurt Bush. It's gonna be a while before I think I'm putting him in in consistent lineups. Cause I mean, while he does look pretty good here at Martinsville in the last five races, he's got four top tens and a top five. Do you really think he can pull off a top ten this week?
0: Uh no. He would need a lot of chaos. And it surely can happen at Martinsville. The slightest damage to the car really throws off the setup, and, and pretty much you have to, as they would say in F1, you have to retire the car. Yes.
1: Now, I will say that the composite bodies on the can take more damage, yeah. should make this pretty fun for some beating and banging that we typically see at Martinsville. Um, that being said, if your car is slow, it ain't going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, we're uh, probably going to have another week
0: where we're off of 23 XI. Yeah, I mean, this just isn't a track where I would even think about playing Bubba.
1: No, I mean, he had that good run at the night race with the Black Lives Matter Mm
0: -hmm.
1: paint scheme, but he didn't actually finish all that great compared to where he was running for most of the night. Um, And Kurt, like, his finishes need a lot of luck and I, I don't want to keep banking on him getting it.
0: All right, well, is there anything else you want to mention before we sign off and dive into three straight nights of Martinsville Racing Under the Lights Trucks Thursday, Xfinity Friday, Friday Cup, Saturday?
1: Um, I will say that in the middle of the day on Saturday, I will be uh, at my daughter's birthday party. So I will post the playbook, and then I've got to get, disappear. You know, ready to entertain uh, a bunch of eight-year-olds. Um, but I will be back after that in plenty of time to uh, answer any questions you might have in the uh, few hours leading up to lock. So I'll be in there all day. So Mr. Malin will be there all day and uh, get prepped for a good sports weekend. Cause not only do we have four races this weekend between truck Xfinity cup and F1, if you want to watch the Laguna, the, the long beach Grand Prix for IndyCar, there's that, too. Uh, so you got five races. You also have the Masters, starts Thursday morning. Um, and, yes, Tiger's playing, and the world is betting on Tiger, literally. Um, you also have MLB opening day on Thursday. And so, yeah, you just got a whole bunch of great sports happening this weekend. So it should We've be a fun, fun time.
0: Also, yeah. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this week. Uh, hopefully, you can squeeze in some lineups uh, amidst the birthday festivities. So, best of luck yeah, to you. Yeah, I will
1: definitely get lineups in this week. I did not last week because, again, it also gets risky when I'm, like, in a different state and trying to play and location stuff. And Got to get the Iron Man credit, dude. Ed's out the window, man. <laughs> Unless I make up one for Father's Day. like. Because that's the only one that's, there's not a race.
0: Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, best of luck to you this week from Martinsville. It's going to be exciting. And best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.